Welcome, alien overlords, to your Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the reptiloid who has assumed the visage of Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm going to need you to use your words. Say the words. Secret Invasion podcast by Fantastic Geek for Secret Invasion episode three, Betrayed is brought to you by teeny tiny eye patches get one for your owl today pete as we record the screen actors guild uh is prepping strike signs perhaps negotiations also continuing as we speak i don't know but certainly the the extension period that they made a week and a half ago uh, just like that, Pete, it's starting to count down. The new deadline is July 12th, Wednesday, July 12th at 11.59 and 59 seconds Pacific time. So uh, not a lot of time there. Concurrent Emmy nominations will be Tuesday morning. So certainly a number of the shows that we are that we have podcast could be impacted by Emmy nominations and any show that we might podcast or have podcasted that it still is in production. Uh, could be impacted by an actor's strike as soon as Thursday morn. Coming down to the wire here, Matt, can the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, that's your AMPTP, fight a war on two fronts, having settled the Directors Guild uh, contract? Looks doubtful. Uh, so the the real pressure is, is being brought to bear here should they somehow settle with the screen actors guild uh the potential to drag out that writer's strike so we're gonna have to see but matt uh you want to talk about you want to listen to us talk about uh something that's uh in the can that's you know your film speak for having been made and now out in theaters or indiana jones and the Dial of Destiny podcast is up along with all four other films for your listening pleasure. Indeed, that on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, of course. Uh, on that feed, as well as its own Star Trek uh, feed, will be tomorrow's Star Trek Sunday discussion for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm really looking forward to talking about that episode. If only I can remember what it was about, Pete. <laughs> But bringing it back to Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now out on digital. Uh, you can, of course, listen to our review of that on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed. Uh, but those who uh, may check it out will note that the commentary by director James Gunn, uh, now heading up the uh, DC Universe, talks about the Star-Lord solo outing uh yeah certainly potential there uh particularly pete i don't think chris pratt is going to be playing uh young indiana jones and more dinosaur guy and so on and so forth so maybe there's the opportunity there for some star lord uh things there i guess time will tell certainly the disney plus release of guardians of the galaxy volume three probably within the next 60 days or so uh, so it certainly is exciting here in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's evaluate the intel inside this episode. At not-so-stately New Skrullos, Pagan gets Xerxu, and new Resistance recruit Beto ready, but the rookie has some reservations. Pagan asks him why he joined and they both have faith in the future for their people and that's built on risk he hands out uh their new shell officer service records scroll general gravik enters the lab to look at the machine and is soon joined by council members shooter mcredtie uh prime minister lawton NATO Secretary General Caspani, and another. He explains he sent three soldiers to infiltrate the Royal Navy and execute a strike on a key United Nations target. As the scientist couple look over DNA, 
in a microscope. Gravik explains the only way to combat the superheroes who will respond to their attack is to become super themselves. They will no longer just change faces, but powers, all of them. The goal is for humans to be in all-out war within the week, and they'll take advantage of the chaos. Much of that voiceover, along with uh, kind of a restatement of the Neptune situation a bit later in the episode, uh, it done without us seeing Gravik speaking. Uh, most of that dialogue had me wonder, Pete, if that was a, you know, you go back in post-production, you say we need to make more clear some story points here. So we do it via voiceover. And as we show footage of astonished people saying, wait, will the scrolls cause extinction for the human race? Uh, we get to the credits and then flashback to New York city, 1998 as younger Nick Fury enters a restaurant. He's looking for someone and a, a female patron asks him to sit with her, but it is Vara sliding him an envelope. He finds her human face to be beautiful. He pushes back a bit on the flirting, saying that there is a chain of command here, uh, except this unit, we'll learn later on, reference made to this kind of uh, all-scroll unit that's helping support Fury's career and all of that. The unit doesn't exist. Therefore, Pete opens the possibility for love to blossom. Off the books, so no rules to break here. Matt, did you notice the name? of the uh, commander of the men the scrolls are helping uh, to put on his heels. I did not. Is, is this finally our, our, our quake connection? No, 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 no. This is General Drakov, he of Black Widow, the commander of the uh, Black Widow force. Hence, you can get rid of their men. Uh... He's got an army of uh, deadly women. Ah, good, good catch there. It's a very good catch, Pete. In 2026, McRedtie, named Chris Stearns on his mug, sows fear on his foxy TV show as Fury cooks at home. A robed Vera shuts it off and they kiss good morning. She asks what's happened to bring him home to her after years. He calls her Scylla, as in Priscilla. But of course, Matt, there's a mythical connection, which uh, if we're going to go, it's all connected again with everything we're podcasting this week out of the Odyssey. Ooh, that's a, that, that, that's a good catch as well. Um, Scylla has forgotten how he cooks, uh, indeed how he is. He says that he's retired and uh, won't take up golf. Maybe we'll take up revenge. Uh, she notes that she has been a widow in his absence and was happy when he returned with the blip. But then he vanished again, of course, to the space station. In that time, in that absence, she has become herself. Uh, her phone rings and she is incredibly cryptic as to not having that information right now and, uh, and hanging up. Pete, take us to Scrollville. But not before Fury eyes her phone after she leaves and something that surely is going to be what we talk about in theories. Gravik wakes Gaia and wants to talk about Brogan and who betrayed them. Gaia says it was Brogan who gave them up and their safe house under torture on a guess, Gravik asks what she'd do in such a situation, and she says she'd lie because she's good at it. He tells her she'll go with him early tomorrow, where soon they're jumping off a Learjet in London, and in the car, Gravik tells her that her father, Talos, has called for a parlay over her. Gravik gets a call and tells the other party the UN plane will be at Neptune's coordinates at 2200 hours. She lets Gravik out and she texts that 
uh, flight 819 will be at those coordinates at 2200. This, Pete, the other scene where the camera is not on Gravik much as this UN dialogue is made clear here. And again, I'm not being critical if, you know, when they watched the initial edit of the episode, if it was unclear, uh, if information like this was unclear, you know, a way to address that is through uh, voiceover after the fact. Uh, inside the museum, uh, Gravik looking at a particular piece of art, uh, calling it silly, this painting, the statesman of World War One. They're statesmen sitting at tables, posing for pictures. Real soldiers fight and bleed and die. Pete, you know it's particularly egregious Gravik's perspective here because he is he he's calling into question the great Winston Churchill. Uh, so I think particularly those of a, a British persuasion are meant to really be like Gravik, no, you're wrong. Uh, and indeed, Talos is unimpressed at the fighting option, not of the whole World War I situation, rather General Gravik's plan here. They head to the cafe where uh, coffee, specifically espresso, is ordered. Be not ordered as much as just automatically brought. I'm going to assume that maybe they pre-ordered or something, or maybe the waitress just wanted the scene to proceed with important dialogue here and not linger on, you know, looking at menus and taking an order. Well, given that in a moment, all of the patrons are going to turn into Gravik's shell. can imagine everybody here is a scrawl and made to do the bidding here. Um, Cause Gravik likes a little bit of espresso in his sugar. Talos, wants him to stand down and stop murdering innocent humans. Gravik says he'll be doing a favor by killing him. Talos tells him if he wants an honor meaning to say the word, then uh, Gravik twists the proverbial knife by telling him his daughter is in the car and asks if he wants to come say hello. Talos warns him about that, and when Gravik provokes him uh, that he hasn't killed him yet, Talos lunges at him and all the other people in the cafe sim and stan and stand Gravik. Which, Pete, is a very cool moment here. I would slightly call into question what is the story point. I mean, they all fight for Gravik. It's not confusing who the real Gravik is. And again, maybe it's just this visual representation of we are all here for Gravik. Um, regardless, our Gravik does hammer home the plan, uh, attack the humans, and the humans will attack themselves. Talos says the humans, in fact, are at their most formidable when threatened. Talos is going to out Gravik and company to the nations of the Earth. Uh, and uh talos uh, name checks all uh, kind of on the talos side who will fight gravik gravik mentions gaia again this time talos stabbing the knife through gravik's hand and walks uh talos heals himself perhaps with some extremist powers That's i hope completely the extremists and Pete, and there were people, not me, but there were people who thought that Iron Man 3 was not a good outing here. Uh, outside the museum, an old man bumps into Talos. Oh, wait. Wink, wink, governor. Here's your phone. Uh, Talos sees the old man walking hurriedly behind a van. Talos trying to go in the front. No, go, go behind. Uh, and when Talos gets to the other side of the van, he sees that Gaia is at their car door getting out, getting in. Suspicions, Pete. Suspicions are in the air as Gravik gets in the car with Gaia. Yeah, the elderly gentleman that had just dropped the cell phone and he couldn't get across the street. Uh, this is completely um, Gaia there. Leaning up against the car. Oh, what? I was here the entire time, totally waiting for you. At a nearby pub, Talos eats at the bar when Fury finds him. And Talos chides him for coming 
to him for help after the way they left it the day before. Fury tells him he has a lead on a rebel scroll high up in the U.S. government in London. Hmm. Talos asks how he can help him, but Fury just told him. He needs him to say the words, help me, Talos, because he is useless without him. Talos pays for his meal and touches Fury's arm and leaves in the car. He explains Gaia handed off intel using a burner phone. Fury calls her brave. Talos says, just like a mom. And Fury says Neptune is a British submarine. And he knows who to call. Indeed, Fury calls Sonia, who wants an apology too. Uh, she has found the bug that Fury put on Hoot, her owl. Uh, but about the sub, the infiltration, all of it, uh, information is shared. Commodore Robert Fairbanks is the, the captain of the sub. Uh, Fury hangs up, uh, perhaps not helped enough, but then he's also sent on his car screen device. You know, Pete, as one does in the 2026s where you text information to someone's car, uh, he sent the location of Fairbanks, who's at Naval Command HQ. Which, Pete, is that's that's some British efficiency right there. They call command also headquarters, just so you're very clear that it's Naval Command headquarters. That's that's where the real the real high muckety mucks are. Later, CENTCOM also thrown out there. Uh, but Sonia, she wants to know how he got this number because he shouldn't have it. And she wants her apology. But Fury is given away his only apology for today here. Uh, the goal, start World War Three, and this address in Portsmouth where Gravik and Fury uh, roll up. A lot of discussion, Matt, in these first couple episodes about man's best friend, not Scrolls. Yes, Talos doesn't understand the whole having a dog and picking up its poop kind of thing. It's the, humans are the only species in the universe that clean up someone else's poop. Fury says that he's been cleaning up Talos's poop for all these years. Pete, once again, there surely is a take where Samuel L. Jackson didn't say poop. And uh, director Ali Salim had to say cut uh, and then go over and say, Sam, you know, I've, I've gotten word from... Not just Kevin, but also, you know, Disney HQ there. You, you, we really are going, going for the poop as written, not the word you just said. Can, can we please try that again? Um, in 1995, we are told Talos found Fury as a shield benchwarmer. 20 Scroll became Fury's invisible network. That is what propelled Fury up the shield uh, ranks there. It was on the backs of Talos and company. Talos doesn't need a thank you. Uh, and the least can be done is Fury. Great line here is Fury to not rewrite history in front of the guy who helped write it. Tense dialogue here, but so deftly delivered. And really this air of familiarity and the back and forth between Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel Jackson. The, the, this is what this show is about it's it's the it's the buddy cop show within our spy espionage drama here which culminates in this episode matt because they have arrived at bob's and when two guards question bob who tells them he needed a break from his wife which they emphasize emphasize with he keeps on going there, okay? Um, Fury is, of course, monitoring this as a door opens, and that guard says he just left Bob. So Talos shifts back and takes him out, telling Fury his cover is blown. So Fury can cap the two guards from before who revert to scrawl form, so it's not just wanton murder. <laughs> I was concerned that some of the three, nay, four people who get killed in this scene, uh, some of whom I believe are, are, are killed by Talos, I was concerned that they were maybe 
you know, just chaps who had uh, volunteered to protect the United Kingdom and ended up in the security detail for Commodore Bob and just went to work that night saying, goodbye, spouse, goodbye, children. I'm just going to go to work now to help keep our nation's secrets safe. And then Talos, who decried, you know, the killing of innocents, had maybe killed them. So, Pete, you've made me feel less concerned about naval security guys, numbers one through four. Yes. Uh, the lights come on and Fury kills another scroll guard as Talos finds Bob's son gaming. Way too close to the TV, by the way. Way too close. <laughs> In the dark, a kid is going to ruin. I mean, we're assuming he's a human boy and not a, a scroll boy. Um, he's played by an actor boy who's who's making sure that he's well lit and within the shot <laughs> as the doors only opened a little bit. But still, son, you're going to ruin those eyes. Inside, Fury hears Talos has Bob upstairs, but he comes in with a gun to the sun because nobody calls him Nick. It's Zachary, the boy. Uh, it's not a negotiation, Bob. On the screen, UN1 has left DC. Hey, there's New Jersey and us. There you go. Hopefully we're still there in 2026 in the MCU. Uh, uh, showing us that we are, Matt. Oh, thank goodness. Um, we see on the sub that the sub has received an authenticated message to strike plain UN1. We go back to Bob. Time for him to do the right thing and listen to reason. The air strike must be called off or Fury will empty the scroll's brains. Uh, but, and of course, Bob can't be simmed by Talos because... Uh, only Bob knows the code word that is to say, you know, if a fully simmed Bob as well as Bob Prime, only, <laughs> if only the Prime people still in the energy vault, if that's going to play into a theory. But I digress, Pete. He will not stand with Talos now. Fury shoots Bob in the leg and is prepared to shoot higher or lower. Pete, I'll explain that one to you later off the air. Yes, this all the while, the sub captain being told he'll be removed from command if he doesn't follow the CENTCOM order. Uh, and as the flight lurks closer, uh, the sailor readies his launch key. When Bob taunts Talos about Gaia possibly being the traitor, Talos shoots him fatally in the chest. He calls Gaia at New Skrullos for the password. A woman sees there's a comm breach on the computer. Gaia overpowers two guards. The captain readies his key aboard Neptune. And Gaia sees the real Chris Stearns, Prime Minister, and Bob viewing his memories and calling her father before he tells her to run. As she goes to leave, she looks at a woman, the scientist, and leaves. We have uh, Talos on the horn uh, as Bob now, giving the order, abort exercise, code word, Zachary. Uh, side note, Pete. Look, we all know the importance of passwords and avoiding being hacked nowadays and so forth. Maybe don't make your password your kid's name. Just want to yeah. th throw that out there. It worked for this. Because but again, it's all connected this week, Matt. That's true. Uh, on the sub, uh, abort code word received, but one officer tries to launch anyway. Alas, one of the keys of the dual key system is removed. Meanwhile, Gaia starts to slip away with her motorbike, keeping it off. Pete reminds me of the one time <clears throat> it was late at night. I, I got my bike from the backyard. Uh, I, I, I slipped into the front and I didn't realize that the kickstand was still down. So as soon as I hit Ooh. the street, there was yeah. before I could pedal it, pedal it back up and, and whatnot. Uh, but anyhow, I'm sure Gaia won't run into similar trouble. Fury and Talos load the bodies, <laughs> you know, the, the people they killed up as Talos reflects on not taking Gravik's side because he's with Fury. Pete, we see Gaia making that clean getaway off compound property. But wait, 
stopped by a truck. Pete, thank goodness she's wearing a helmet when the stunt is performed in which Gaia, I'm sure played the entire time by Amelia Clark, falls off the motorbike. And it's only once she has landed that her helmet comes off. And Pete, who's that in the truck? That is Gravik, who gets out and asks her where she's going. Covering, of course, about the failed strike and the need to exfiltrate their compatriots. Uh, but Gravik says the plane would have helped, but finding the traitor was essential. He tells her to turn around at gunpoint, but she wants him to look at her as he shoots her. And she reverts to scroll form as he drives off. Sadness. In the Fury residence, Scylla gets a text and grabs a key. She's in a train station and catches the eye of someone. Is she looking at him? Is he looking at her? Mystery, suspicion. The key ultimately opens uh, a security box at a bank. Uh, Pete, not just any bank. This appears to be one of those highfalutin banks. Uh, (laughs) The worker needs just a little bit of a stare to be reminded that he perhaps should give her some time alone. Uh, And what's in there but an envelope? And what's in the envelope but a gun? Uh, Her phone rings, and she is told St. James Church in one hour. Uh, But, Pete, who does she want to speak to? Well, whose voice is on the other end, Matt? Because it sounded suspiciously like Colonel James Rhodes. (gasps) She does, of course, want to speak to Gravik, uh, but she's not getting that as the episode comes to an end. Time to analyze the fallout from this episode. Pete, we have killed off the iconic Amelia Clark three episodes into a six-episode run. Is there any possible story place in which <laughs> somebody who looks just like Amelia Clark <laughs> could be plucked from some sort of some sort of suspended animation? Somebody who maybe the scrolls captured because that person was notable. Maybe they were a notable person already in Marvel Comics. Maybe it's a brand new character, but somebody who's like, I don't know, got some sort of mixture of uh, gun training, martial arts, leadership abilities, somebody that you could just easily go, I'm taking them out of the electric Borg pause mind scan thing, uh, and that Amelia Clark could play for the next three episodes, maybe even and beyond. Yeah, uh, there's no way she's dead here. I mean, we we are meant to feel it emotionally, and the, the music helps to sell that. But it is a show that the premise is predicated upon the change of identities and the sneaking around of it. Uh, plus, that footage is out there, obviously, of... Amelia Clark's character past this episode. So we we get it, but at the same time it is it is a false nod. Now Pete, you said she of course is not dead. Do you mean she a character that Amelia Clark played? I guess here's my real question. Is Gaia dead? Obviously I think we we're both on the same page. Amelia Clark will return. Is Gaia dead? I don't think so. No. Um because again, you know, you you've killed off Soren. Would you would you kill off the daughter? I mean, it's a it's a place to put Talos for sure. I I think it's going to be the misdirection of oh, I have killed your daughter, not the reality of that. And Talos will get the uplift of you know her coming back around. Pete, I'm glad you mentioned Soren uh, because there was an article earlier this week um, that Google News brought before me. I think it was from Inverse, the headline of which was like, Marvel dramatically rewrites history. Maybe it wasn't quite as that hyperbolic, but it was like, Marvel makes major moves with Captain Marvel character recast. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's quite a headline. They, I thought the Marvels was done filming, and that headline suggests to me that Brie Larson is not Captain Marvel anymore. So, of course, Pete, I click on it. Do you know who the Captain Marvel character was who was recast? Soren? 
Soren, who did we even see as a human in Captain Marvel? I, I don't, don't remember. I don't believe so, no. I don't believe so either. So if you're telling me there's a different lady who now plays Soren. That, that sits in a uh, a chair at, at 3 a.m. To, to get made up. And then, you know, uh, they did the effect where we saw her in human form in episode two. My goodness, man, how desperate are these clicks? Like it, like it really, and look, is inverse the New York times or the Howard reporter? No. no, I feel like they're, they're on the plus side, not the minus side. But I was like, again, when you say recast captain Marvel character, to me, that suggests that you've recast Captain Marvel herself. Like it was, it was complete. It was a complete clickbaity headline, and I guarantee no one cares who plays Soren in makeup, let alone out of makeup. Particularly since, as you're watching that flashback scene from last week, you know, in in the current time, Soren is actually dead. So, Pete, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I was going to tweet about it, then I was like, do I mention Inverse? And then the last, you know, then there's all the Twitter versus Thread stuff. By the way, Fantastic Geek is on Threads as yes. at Fantastic Geek. So say hi there. Um, Pete, I'm glad we were able to discuss the major heartbreak of Soren's <laughs> recasting. We've already given away too much time there, Matt. Let's talk about these super scroll abilities. We had seen uh, Extremis um, mentioned on a computer, now here used not yet used Groot powers, but we know again from trailer footage that they're coming. Um, and then there were some other abilities potentially in the offering. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be slightly dismissive of the reveal of potential super scrolls, uh, nor the inclusion here of extremis energy and so forth. I think part of what's interesting about settling into a six-episode story arc, particularly for a Marvel show, um, is we are very aware where we are at in a standard story arc. So, like, the notion that we are planting seeds for major powers in the second half of the story, um, I guess I would go so far as to say, Pete, since it's not feeling super surprising, I mean, maybe that's what happens when you have a have a movie mindset, a movie told in six episodes. It, are, are such story turns maybe then less interesting because you, the audience, are aware when you click on episode three that, you know, and you get to the second half of episode three that you are fast approaching the midpoint of the series and you know how stories work. I suspect maybe that's the case, although although I don't know. Pete, are, can you pull me back from some of this negativity? I think the reaching for superpowers in a really grounded uh, psychological espionage show is a, is a good stretch. Um, I'm interested to see beyond healing power, you know, and again, we know the, the Groot stuff is coming because of just what a, a visual, um, you know, visually specific, effect that is and and then the name checking of it um so the question remains like what will come out of left field potentially and when you open this pandora's box the whole idea was oh well superheroes will respond and we will respond with superpowers uh many superpowers all of us the implication being there matt a million scrolls with super abilities all right you want to pull me off all of them okay let's say all the rebels let's say there's ten thousand rebels running around now with these super abilities on top of the ability to shift their form um again the, the word talos uses for humans formidable the super scrolls something that was done in the comics a uh, formidable threat it is i find it impressive every time this show leans into you know but what about the avengers what about earth's heroes um i i widely do not expect 
that in the last episode of this, you know, I don't think we're going to get Thor and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we assuming one that... On the show, man. <laughs> What's that? We have one on the show. And we have the guy that made them on the show. Y- yes, but... I I don't I don't know whether I'm, whether this is fully a compliment or a dig or some combination. Just you know, I I think of the Ant Man movies. You know, can't we call the Avengers the Avengers? No, we can't. Well, that's a funnier movie, and that's a movie that's selling. The first Ant Man film in particular is selling the drama at a lower cost. Therefore, to sit and go, we're not going to bring in the Avengers because Darren Cross maybe wants to sell a suit to Hydra Ram. You know, like lower stakes mean lower uh lower return of the avengers that kind of thing it's it's just interesting to me that they keep they keep saying our stakes are such in this show in secret invasion the stakes are such that the avengers could be called even though i'm kind of watching saying no i don't think this i don't think the show is actually avengers you know avengers 4.25 or something like that only because we've gotten to the point now where we see them battle the the galaxy reaching powers you know yes earth imperiled but earth just one of many worlds they've brought back half of all life uh so earlier it was said but the avengers are gone even though it's never been like well they went here or anything like that it's more like you know, the roster changes and they're off doing things until the reunion tour, you know, whenever those those two films are going to get made. And now the strike helping to push those back. Um, more interesting to me in this interim is the name checking of General Drakeoff. Um, and again, the misdirect. Oh, yeah, well, we, we got his men on the run. Uh, checks notes has a has an army of uh you know uh female assassins who are far more deadly um consensus would seem to be matt that somehow secret invasion can hand off to thunderbolts um i mean that would track with what we've seen from some of the other marvel studios shows that are setting up the next thing and I think, again, there's pluses and minuses to be like, you know, hey, WandaVision was its own special, unique thing, except for towards the end when it had to, you know, had to lead off to uh, Doctor Strange 2. I mean, it, it'll it surprise no one if elements of this show inform Thunderbolts, if elements of this show inform uh, the Marvels. It. it isn't there a virtue though in being your own self-contained thing? I mean, that's I, I think that's part of the frustration. There I'm is, feeling. but you know what we've come to expect with the MCU in particular, you know, far more than than just a name drop, um, is is the appearance, if not the cameo, the the full-on appearance of characters from other stories, and the spinning into not so much the spinning off of. I certainly would agree. And the interconnected nature is important and and obviously there from there from day one. Um, I would just hate to walk away from this show feeling like, well, it existed to just be a prelude for the next thing. Now, Pete, I'll now talk out of the other side of my mouth and say, however, I would not want to walk away from it. You know, particularly writer's strike right now, potential actor's strike next week, things of that sort. The likelihood that we are getting, you know, Moon Knight Season 2 and She-Hulk Season 2 seems to be more and more dim. You want to tell me that because of these labor strife issues, maybe we don't ever see She-Hulk and Moon Knight and, and characters like that. You know, we don't see them in the Avengers or something like that. Uh, it's possible, so... What's worse, a show that hands off to the next thing or a show that kind of has its arc and then the light goes out forever? I guess it is the light going out forever that that is worse to me. The ethical concerns 
that Fury has when he begins this relationship with Vara and now the way that she under the identity of Priscilla um, Fury uh, aka Scylla the many headed tell me where you've heard this before Matt <laughs> the, the many headed Hydra from the Odyssey <laughs> um, cut off one head two more take its place I do certainly like the way this episode ends and the notion that uh, the intrigue in the situation includes the Fury, uh, Fury's home and Fury's marriage and all of that. Um, I, I don't know. The notion, the notion that she is working with Gravik or has some sort of connection there, uh, it gives a lot of potential for these upcoming three episodes I just, I, I just hope that there's something more of it that, that more gets built other than Fury saying, but you betrayed me. And she says, but you were never around like we talked about in episode three. Hence, I returned to my people. Like, let's get well, more that, than that. She was the one that introduced him to Gravik. Okay. She was the one that brought him there. Clearly, there's a history. Um, and your people versus your spouse, uh, blood thicker than water, that old chestnut. Um, but to, to put the spy game in Fury's house, I think is a really great and compelling story. I just hope they make me feel it. You know, kind of, I'm, I'm thinking of like Gaia's death where I'm not really feeling it because. I know where we're at in the story, and I know the the wattage of the star and things of that sort. Um, right, but think about what we're going to reap from that. Okay, so Talos floats an honor meeting here. Oh, we'll we'll have it out with knives um, over her, and now she's air quotes dead. So they get to have this. True, true. I guess. Time will tell uh, how this pays off. It not having paid off yet, I'm still kind of at a at a point of emotional suspension. Can scrolls tell others are scrolls? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm trying to think in our scroll history here um i don't know that there's evidence one way or another i i don't mean to say well it just depends on what the story wants because i think we we need a solid answer there and i think it would be uh, i think it'd be more interesting if the answer was no but i don't know what are your thoughts that's a really good question i i don't ever every thing to the contrary that they cannot that the that the two guards didn't know it was Talos, that the other guard, oh, I just left you, uh, yeah, doesn't know. Unless, of course, you rig some kind of detection or you write in, oh, well, I can smell a scroll or any anything like that. Just back to uh, another scroll in, in uh, Vara and Priscilla here that uh, Fury is in the room with her phone after she leaves and then she's gotten these calls. There's no way he's not put a bug on that. Um, I think that's definitely a that's that's a spoiler Pete prediction to to put in the bank. Uh, maybe the same bank that uh, Scylla went to. Um, but I think that's a great that's a great prediction there. Um, and I think Pete, with the evidence you've just shared regarding the the talos as bob portion of the story yeah probably scrolls cannot tell although could the scrolls could the scroll guards tell that bob was a scroll and they were expecting bob as the other scroll so i don't know it, it, it's definitely it, it it's a question to keep track of as uh, as the next episodes unfold because had a I think, password for the submarine maybe have a handshake or something like that i don't know yeah um yeah. It seems like I was right on Rhodey, though. 
Um, yeah, particularly with the notion that he's the one on the phone. Um, the the top scroll in London from the U.S. government. <laughs> there are. Let's see, gee whiz, how many top American government representatives have we seen in the show? Oh, right, it is just Rhodey. Um, again, I. I if that's your big reveal to go take out fury yeah yeah if that's your big reveal next week i would just ask i would ask kind of i would ask the show rhetorically in a show where you tell us you know who can you trust you you ask us who can you trust who is scroll and who is not do any of the scroll reveals end up being a biggie in a show of this size which is to say unlike the comics where you can say wait what all of a sudden yeah i pick a character all of a sudden uh iron man is a scroll and then you you know in that comic way you can go back and go well there was that thing six issues ago that was weird and there was that thing 10 issues ago that was weird you can start to you know backtrack it from there versus look for as much as for as much as you have scrolls showing up in the background of the what was the movie premiere? Was that uh, Dial of Destiny? I sent you a picture of Pete that other people had noticed. Mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, or more recently, uh, a scroll interrupted the, at Disneyland, the scroll interrupted the Rogers, a musical thing and had to be escorted off stage, even though this, it was full scroll makeup and he was in a, you know, a Disneyland usher uniform and had a thing like, those are cute, but again, this show is not this show is not does not have the ability to say surprise ned from spider-man has been a scroll since at least the second spider-man movie like that's just kind of outside the scope of what this show can do so does that does that hamstring it a bit to a point where to sit and go hey pete the guy roadie who was in the first episode is hinted at in the third to be a scroll and it'll be revealed to be in the fourth like that's less that's less impressive and i i don't have a necessarily a better solution but i'm not the one who decided to do secret invasion in six episodes you know what i mean wait a minute matt do you feel that that's right i'm getting a quick watch quick watch 2023 pete where we chart the proposed by some fans return of chloe bennett's character quake pete they said she'd be back they said it would happen in the middle of the series here we are in episode three uh, i have to confess i did not spot quake what do you have over there on the big board we have not seen her episode three was the first one circled this is gonna be the one where she appears and it has come and gone but matt i will point to this so i noticed starting this week um watching the episode once i finished my disney plus says because you watch secret invasion here's agents of shield Hmm. That that is interesting. I'm trying to remember if mine did that. I feel like mine defaulted again to Captain Marvel, but I might be misremembering. Or I might not have gotten to the end. I might not have gotten to that point this week. It just might have been, you know, and end of episode credits start and I, you know, press the menu button or whatever. Um I think Pete, in line with our discussions of if somebody shows up at the red carpet, they're probably in the movie, unless, of course, they're not. I mean, Ming-Na Wen at the Dial of Destiny red carpet uh, because she's a Disney legend and bringing her kids along, or maybe it's just her daughter, but you know, bringing family along, not because she's in the movie. Uh, the reverse for, spoiler alert, well, I, I won't even spoil it, Pete. The reverse for character who's at the end of Dial of Destiny also being in the red carpet. Um, it can go both ways, but either your algorithm made a new connection or somebody at Disney plus pushed a button because maybe quake watch will, will reap different benefits next week. We've received several communiques from our field agents. Let's see what they had to say. Pete people could vote about how the show has left them feeling 
Uh, so not a four three two one poll this week on uh, on Twitter. No polls yet on Threads. Uh, the well, we'll go from top to bottom here. Are people being left feeling tense? Forty two point nine percent chose that. Theoretical. Seventeen point nine percent chose that. Confused was the least of the four. Fourteen point three percent. And then faith in Fiji got 25 percent some replies here uh steve thurbridge said talos and daughter have been together all along or just since extremis fury uh, checked the phone right harvest want more faux roadie that's of course faux with a ph uh, andre yeager at dr polo 1983 said the dialogue between the characters in the show is awesome talos and fury fury and his wife gravik and gaia enough said one question who was the woman uh, they focused on when Gaia retrieved the password. Uh, our major Pete Noel Gardner at Noel Camille said, I think it was the doctor working on the Super Scrolls. And Andre said that would make sense. They simmed her and used her knowledge for gene splicing. They got extremists to work. Can't wait for the other powers to show. I know we are seeing uh, Groot's powers from the trailer. Um, hearing from Diana Bodenberg on Twitter, she said, uh, OMG Fury married a scroll. That is all. Uh, next up, Prodigy Deserve Better. That's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Super Scrolls in the house. As much as I uh, love the superhero shenanigans, I'm really enjoying the spycraft. Can't believe it's half over. Seems like there's a lot more story to go. Gaia gone already. Seems sus. Pete, that's what the kids say when they mean suspicious uh looking forward to more says uh prodigy serve better uh we hear again from uh noel gardner at noel camille three things first i don't trust anybody second there's way too much trailer footage left for me to fall for gaia being dead third now that the theory portion is over how long do we think roadie has been compromised ps the museum scene has me down a rabbit hole uh diana bodenberg agrees she doesn't think gaia is dead Noelle doubles down saying she either changed to fake being dead or it wasn't her. Uh, that would be a good fake out, Pete, if Gaia was not Gaia. You know what I mean? If if a scroll simmed another person and then simmed being a scroll, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln at TessLC139. Not, I'm not yet 100% sold on the slow burn of this series. With other Marvel TV shows, each episode has had the potential to stand apart from the rest, despite each series-long story. With uh, Secret Invasion, it's more like a six-hour story that, in retrospect, would be better as a binge-watch, which is interesting. It's one of those things, maybe we'll be able to binge-watch it when all six are out and... and uh, and share thoughts jt atkins gta is me says secret invasion is my marvel and or it's really well done there are actual stakes for the characters and i look forward to watching it every week however also like Andor, it's dark enough that i can't say i enjoy it uh the way that i enjoyed other marvel shows i'm invested but it's also draining that said i'll be tuned in every week and rightfully so this week was no exception uh, James is sagacious. Big Killin on Twitter says, I could watch Fury and Talos go at it all day. And last Pete is at BikeBRH who says, it's fine, it's not great, but uh, besides the villain who is like nails on a chalkboard to me, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely mid-range at best unless they really step it up. In my view, Marvel still has a villain problem. Uh, indeed, Pete, referring to this idea that the villain, you know, can't ever be more powerful or get more spotlight than the hero of a Marvel story. Pete, take us to Facebook. Teresa Anderson Kentner, Matt, wrote in on our post for episode two, Promises, in which we used a photo of uh, Sonia's uh, character here. So much fun to watch her. She's referring to Olivia Coleman. All of uh, Barb's The Intrigue which was liked by many of our Facebook friends. To the email inbox we go, hearing from Steve Adams, who says, what a roller coaster of an episode. I was shocked to see Gravik kill Gaia. Is she really dead? Do you really sign Amelia Clark for only three episodes? The back and forth between Fury and Talos carries a lot of tension, but also a lot of trust. 
They've cast their lot with each other and don't seem able to turn their backs on each other now. The plan to create Super Scrolls opens up a lot of possibilities for some great cameos. Could we see some heroes we have seen previously? The possibility is tantalizing. I kept waiting for the betrayal teased in the title, but I was afraid I knew what it would be. Sure enough, Fury's wife leaves and seemingly betrays Fury. What impact does this have on Fury and Talos to stop their... Uh, in their efforts to stop Gravik, I guess time will tell until next week. Stay fantastic. Pete, I know that Steve is arguing against the real death of Gaia here. You know, do you really sign Amelia Clark for three episodes? However, Pete, let's let's do a thought experiment for a second. Did somebody in the, you know, in the writing room, in the production say, let's do a Janet Lee and Psycho. Let's really sign Amelia Clark for only three episodes and kill her off and keep her dead. While I think no one is expecting that, uh, what do you think are maybe some story merits to doing so? Well, listen, how many times can you Janet Lee prominent actresses uh, in this show? There is that. Like, I'm vaguely reminded of the first season of Star Trek Next Generation. You know, you have all these... You, you have multiple women leaving the show mid or at the end of the season. Similarly here, we've now this show in three episodes has now killed off two awesome amazing self-sufficient emotionally complex women again asterisk i don't know that i don't really believe gaia is dead i also would not have my mind blown if by the time we get to episode six if um kobe smolders is back in some capacity scroll that looks like maria hill maria hill twin maria hill time vortex product you know whatever it might be but as with all things pete time will tell well matt time to talk about patreon.com slash fantastic geek which keeps all of fantastic geek listener supported indeed pete with those storage and bandwidth costs that do happen behind the scenes we're so appreciative that we have that listener support on patreon.com slash fantastic geek and uh, could not do it without each and every one of you who have helped out and uh, hope that those who might want to do so uh, do give it a try everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content all sorts of levels to choose from but it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door can't contribute right now no problem get over to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating leave us a review and help us out equally and Pete, let's keep the Marvel discussion going, the Secret Invasion discussion going. How can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 12,755 followers for now. Can't be wrong. But Matt, I am also on threads now uh, under the same name. There you go, and it's been it's been interesting to see the Threads community unfolding. Uh, at Fantastic Geek is there as well. So, uh, if nothing else, Pete, we've been looking for the backup if Twitter ever suddenly stops working. And I think, at least in the short term, Threads is it. Who knows in this crazy world? All I know is this, Pete. You say the word, I will create a fantastic geek my space like nobody's business and we can maybe all <laughs> group there after the great calling i don't know the 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 professionals the the people who know this say that the best way to get the word out about podcasts is through social media so everywhere that we can uh you know put the links to our stuff to get people to listen is going to be where we'll be i don't think that's shameless so much as you know how you how you do it these days well and certainly we can keep the conversation going over there on threads as well as twitter uh, also fantastic at gmail.com comments on fantasticgeek.com uh, and of course fantastic geek on instagram as well but wait pete there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today Really looking forward to tomorrow's Star Trek Sunday discussion for the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. And Pete, back next Saturday for Secret Invasion Saturday. We'll see what twists and turns and reveals happen 
on this upcoming Wednesday episode of Secret Invasion. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You were busy riding the We Did That wave. <laughs>